where I grew up in the, the south of Scotland, the highest of the four hills surrounding the town, had a 100 foot tall stone obelisk, known locally as the Monument. It's visible from many miles away and can even be spotted from them six at Carlisle, if you look the right way at the right time. Where it is sighted gives views south to the hilltops of the Lake District and west across to Criffle, an extinct volcano at Dumfries. And between Scotland and England lies the, the Solway Firth, and beyond is the Irish Sea, and some say the hill gives a glimpse of the Isle of Man, or even Ireland if conditions are ripe. This is the benefit of a hilltop, isn't it? There may be a hard slog going up, but being there gives a great reward, and it is that or prize that many visitors to the town will take a hike up the hill for ourselves as a family uh, last August with my sister and our mum on her birthday. It's having great vistas too that historically made a hilltop a defensive position but led them to be places of worship, a sense of being high bringing one closer to your God. We are familiar with the encounter that Moses had with the Lord at Mount Sinai, but the false gods of the people of Canaan were also worshipped on hilltops. The high places were supposed to have been destroyed when the Israelites entered the Promised Land, but that didn't happen. And hence, many generations later, it was on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings 18, where Elijah heckles that Baal is perhaps not able to answer prayer because he's either asleep or gone off somewhere relieving himself. But it's neither of these places of worship that is the mountain of the banquet that Carol has, has just told us about. Thanks for the reading, Carol. This place is referring to Jerusalem's Temple Mount, or at least in a metaphorical sense it is, because the mountain is symbolic of God's presence. It's into God's presence we come. And this feast has an open invitation. It doesn't matter who you are, all are invited. The all peoples does not simply refer to nationalities or citizenships, but to those who are different in other ways too. It's not restricted by age, every generation is welcome, and nor is it different depending on your health or your employment status or lack of work for that matter. In the preceding verses, it has been established that we are thinking of strong people and poor people and those in need due to infirmity. God is for all. There is one restriction to the feast though, not that it is hard to climb the mountain, but that 
the banquet isn't available on Deliveroo. And yet we can partake at home. For it is a banquet for those who choose to come into God's presence. Those who make the decision that they will be with God on his metaphorical mountain, a spiritually virtual mountain. And of course, why would you not want to be there? Why would you not want to attend the feast? This is the richest food. And for those not vegetarian, the best meats. And those that have not signed the pledge, it's washed down with the finest wine. Wine just like Jesus probably provided at the wedding in Canaan. This is not a hilltop packed lunch that you might take up Ditchling Beacon, a cheese roll accompanied by a packet of crisps and a flask of plastic tasting tea. It's not the dish served up by those who don't get the apron on MasterChef. It is a meal par excellence, a seat at the top table, and you can have it. You can have it for free. But the banquet is simply the opener. It's there to whet your palate, because I think the other delights are greater still. Whatever delicacy our local dish Whatever language we speak, there is a day that comes where our mortal life will end. That's the reality of life, isn't it? The sheet that covers the nations is the burial shroud of death. And the certainty of death, alongside taxis, has been proclaimed by Christopher Bullock and Daniel Defoe and Benjamin Franklin. But Isaiah tells us that this certainty isn't always certain because a day will come when it comes to an end by the power and presence of God's coming kingdom. We know that this happens by Christ on the cross, that death is already defeated. But what we see now is only in part. We have that those who believe, that those who come to the banquet will know eternal life. But when Christ returns, bringing the new heaven and the new earth, then as the kingdom comes in fullness, there will be a fullness of life that will be experienced where the tears of grief and of sorrow will be wiped away forever because death itself will end. This is perhaps hard for us to imagine. We know what a good meal tastes like, how it satisfies the taste buds and the stomach. It nourishes us and makes us feel good. But humanity has had millennia upon millennia where death and grief have been a component of life. Yet this prophet's promise of hope is true and we see it. We get a foretaste of the future in the resurrection of Christ.
Everything has changed and the pain of the past really is no more. Maybe that power of hope and life is something we need to be able to offer a flavour of, a flavour of rejoicing. The people will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. And they will be right to say that on that day. But until we get to that day, what will people say of God and what he has done for us? Are we already rejoicing? I do hope so. Maybe some of us gathered online have different ways of talking and thinking. But do we expect when we are able to gather in person that the congregation will be comprising people who are just like us? or people of every walk of life that want to come to the Lord and want to praise him in their way? And will they see in us before that time the God who meets their needs? Will they see something of the God who already offers fullness of life? May that day soon be with us when we see the kingdom in its fullness but may we see something of it today too amen <laughs>